Hey everybody, welcome back to the Arrow panel. Now, now, now it's not starting fresh. I'm your host, James McGarren. Uh, Roger Clark, aka at Roger Clark on Twitter. Jeff Lloyd Funga. And Buzzer, I forgot to mention that. So, uh, just wanted to apologize for being late tonight. We were uh, debugging some audio issues that was edited in post, so probably, you probably can't even see it. Uh, but we're back with episode two. And uh, I just wanted to say uh, thanks to everyone for all the support uh, for episode one. It was actually further, it blew our standards for what we thought we could do with the show. There's a lot more views than I expected. Yeah. So. It, it was really surprising to, to see the response. It yeah. It was great. The response was great. It was like almost all positive. So none of the trolls came out last Not week. yet. Anyway. Not yet, at least. So there's, there's a lot of like AV issues, as, as you can tell, that we're going to try to fix. So thanks for bearing with us. This is a work in progress. Yeah, over the uh, next few hundred episodes. We'll, uh... <laughs> it's going to get better every time. We, we hope so. Um, yeah, so uh, this is a uh, live show. So uh, make sure to tweet your questions at us. We're at SF underscore evolved. Uh, or post in the chat. Uh, and join the discussion. Come talk about what we're talking about. And uh, be here with us. Um, so we'll be taking, uh, we're going to be talking about some topics today, and towards the end of the show, we'll actually do a, a live Q&A. But in the meantime, let's go, jump right into some news. Sure. So uh, there was some new content uh, last week, uh, Renon's Adventure Part 2, from yeah. the uh, May 31st update. So uh, overall, what was, your, what was your reaction about the event? What would you think? There's three new charts. Yeah, Roger, you want to start off? Yeah, so we got, we got three new charts. We got Come to Life Challenge, the 18. Emera or Emera challenge the 17 and start a new day challenge the 16 and there's there's a lot of variety here come to life I feel like it's it's a really great introduction to 18s and Emera or Emera is uh, I think is a really unique 17 in the fact that it has a ton of nice crossovers um, it's it's just a really well written chart. And start a new day. Maybe you have something to say about start a new well, day. Well, yeah. So start a new day. I, I was, I mean, it's, I'm surprised that there's an expert 15 for it. And so knowing that there's a challenge chart, I was like, okay, what are they going to do? Is it like shock arrows or something? A lot of people suggested that it might be a shock arrow chart. Yeah. Um, because then at least you get some difference in difficulty. But uh, it turns out it was just a lot streamier. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's not... I mean, it's a good song. I think a Start a New Day is probably my least favorite out of the three. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it is a great song, and the other two charts are amazing. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let me, I'll jump back to Come to Life a little bit, if that's okay. Yeah, let's start with Come to Life. Sure, sure, sure. So, uh, like you said, a great introduction to 18s. Yeah. I think um, one thing that's really important in DDR is bridging the gap between some of the difficulties, and so far that hasn't been emphasized a lot. So in order to get good at 18s, you couldn't really play a bunch of 17s and have it work out fairly well. Like, there's just yeah, so there's much stuff Yeah, too big that, of a gap between yeah, 17 and like, 18. You, do, you feel confident on some 17s, you play an 18, you're like, this blows my mind. Like, it, it's that, totally that, different. That, that happens to me every time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So stuff like Astrogazer and Come to Life, I'm really glad are being released because they're like streamier, they're a little bit denser. But they're not so crazy that, uh, you know, like the, the classic 18 was just like throw a bunch of gimmicks in 
and yeah. throw just like craziness, like crazy mm -hmm. patterns that are like trigger or May, where it's just like, okay, May's straightforward, and all of a sudden Scooby's at 200, or like very fast crossovers. <laughs> yeah, very fast, very fast crossover runs. Yeah, we call yeah. them Scoobies. Yeah. I, I feel like they're they're really filling in the gaps here. Yeah, that's exactly. It's like it. If you look at the distribution, like an actual distribution, not the groove radar, because that's not really accurate. Yeah. But like that, yeah, the, this one really fills in kind of like two two gaps towards the beginning end of the curve. Of yeah. 18s. And Amara is the same way. It's there's definitely certainly harder 17s, but yeah. it's de it's pretty dense. It's got a lot of crossovers, and it feels like a lot like Rising Firehawk in the sense that Rising Firehawk again was on this easier side of the 17 spectrum. And it, and it spectrum. had something like a technical aspect that it was challenging you on over and over again. Exactly. And Amara's doing the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. So really love the two charts. I think Amara's got to be my favorite of the three. As much as I love Come to Life, the the expert will always hold like a very special place in my heart. Yeah. Um, whereas Amara, the 16, uh, you know, the expert 16, I was like, ah, like there's a lot going on. You could do yeah. a lot more. And then the challenge, bam. Like, and that's they did a lot it. More. They did it. Have yeah. you guys noticed that a lot of people kind of shit on Amara for no reason? It's kind of like a... We, we have this discussion a lot. I yeah. mean, we, like, when I first heard it, I didn't, I wasn't thrilled with the song, but it gets stuck in my head it's all fun. the time. Yeah. I think about it all the time. Yeah. It's, and I think you said it best. Like, if a song gets stuck in your head a lot, like, it's, that's, it's that good. means it's good. It's yeah. Good. I don't know. I'm seeing a lot of people posting, like, their scores, and they're like, oh, this song is such garbo. Yeah. And like, you know what? I actually love it. And I think the, the new challenge chart is so fun, too. Yeah. It's really challenging. It's got some cool crossovers. The One of the things I always too. love about when new content comes out is seeing everyone's scores as they get posted. Yeah, And yeah. everyone scrambles to go play the new stuff. Yeah, everybody's and playing together, I think. So you see, you see, like, everybody who's good, everybody who's at, at the, at, you know, they're, they're starting to get into these harder songs, and they're all excited to play it. So yeah. it it's great. Totally yeah. agree. Uh, so, yeah, so we talked about Star A New Day already, I guess. Yeah, um, there's not much to say about it. Yeah, okay, so uh, the next thing we wanted to talk about was uh, some of the uh, other new not-chart-related things about the update. Sure. Uh, so there's there's a bit of a uh, difference in timing, I guess. Uh, I think a lot of people are uh, hearing complaints about the, the difference in timing, and I, th I thought maybe we'd take a, a moment to explain to people uh, what, what the difference is, really. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so basically, uh, from what we understand, there was an attempt at a bug fix in some of the ways that white cabs uh, handle step input, and something seems to have it, ha it seems to have a side effect where it's influencing the position of the arrows, like the marvelous window, r with respect to the targets. So it used to be that you sort of had this like maybe I should do it this way, like you had like a sort of the targets are in the middle, and you sort of have this space around it that like this is marvelous, and then a little bit wider is perfect. It sort of branches out from there, but e equidistant on both sides. And now it seems like that window sort of shifted up slightly, so targets look like they're going past the arrows quite significantly, and you can still get a marvelous. And on the converse side, yeah, like basically it's very close to the targets on the bottom side, and you hit it, you get a perfect instead. So yeah. it, it feels like it makes the game feel later to me. Yeah, and I feel like Ace already had kind of a late bias, so every time I play, like. After the update, I'm getting a lot of early perfects. Yeah, just because it, it feels a little different. It's yeah. still it's still very playable. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not broken. I don't think. Yeah. Um, Interestingly, I think this was like the uh, the biggest complaint that people had with playing home versions, especially on like HD screens. Mm -hmm. Was like there was always uh, ways to compensate for the audio delay. So totally. like the the games always had programming to account yeah. for that. Um, but one of the things that's really hard to account for is this visual, like for visual players, yeah, uh, to account for this visual delay. Yeah, uh, it's almost impossible. I think I think they'll get it right because they got it right before, yeah. and people are talking about it, so they'll they'll probably 
take care of it, I think. It's important to note that a lot of people are welcoming this change. They thought that there was a lot of visual lag before, and uh, it's actually a little bit more natural or what mm. they feel is mm. better for basically playing a little bit later. Because um, a lot of people thought they had to step too early and then like the targets move a little, or the arrows move a little bit, and then you sort of yeah. get that input. Um, I'm not in that camp, but I... Yeah, me uh, neither. <laughs> I, I understand that that camp exists. Well, it's uh, kind of interesting, isn't it, how the difference between like visual players and, and uh, people who play by sound? Yeah. And uh, I guess that's kind of like a whole other topic. Yeah, I was about to so, say, we but, could talk for an hour about yeah. that. But yeah, for I've the, got a lot to say about For that. people that are not familiar, there's like uh, a lot of players that uh, play visually and uh, orally, is that the word? Or yeah. Like, so there's a lot of players that play orally, too. And so uh, it's interesting uh, seeing like people react to the the update because like the visual players are the ones that are complaining. The aural players are not so much complaining. There's basically no difference in actual sync. Yeah, the every all the all the timing is the same. It's just it looks different as in terms of where you're supposed to hit the arrows. Yeah. So uh, Del Zio says they should add offset like uh, on 2DX and other games. Would love it. 2DX. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, it's kind of interesting. 2DX in the options screen. Uh, actually allows you to adjust the offset yeah. for the song. Uh, the, the delay, I guess it's vid video or visual and audio. That's kind of crazy. It's um, great. It would be great. It would fix a lot of problems people yeah. have with just like weird songs being slightly too very off sync. Yeah, or people I think that um, just don't feel like they are compatible with the timing. Yeah. But then again, it kind of destandardizes the whole thing. I think 2DX is doing a good job of it. But yeah, I would love to see that in uh, DDR, maybe at least in through like the uh, uh, eAmusement Premium. Yeah, totally. like that. Um, so there's like a new level overlay uh, they, that they kind of added. Yeah, they uh, added in, on the on the gameplay screen. Now you can see what level the song is, so which like, is nice, I think, because as a spectator, a lot of times you you see somebody playing a chart, and if it's a chart that you haven't seen before, yeah. you kind of want to know like is that. Also, the it's kind of nice it's, for YouTube videos. It oh is. yeah, just great for more info. In there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people had to used to add that before. Zero Wolf's videos are getting more information. Yes, of course. I yeah. just throw information on that screen. Yeah. So. Um, Coming up next on news, uh, we want to talk about some tournaments that happened recently. So that's actually the focus of the whole episode. Is to, uh, Tonight we're going to be talking about tournaments with DDR. It's all about tournaments. It's all about tournaments. Uh, tournaments are really great, but uh, let's talk about why they're great by uh, throwing in some real-world examples. So, uh, Roger, you and Jeff went to uh, the Round 1 San Jose tournament yeah. uh, in, on May 13th, uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so uh, I, it, was, it was a really fun time. Uh, we had a tournament... The SF Evolved team uh, helped run a tournament at Round 1 San Jose uh, on their DDR Ace cabinet. And it was, it was an interesting time. I feel like over the past year, people have gotten so much better. And the last tournament that we had there, I feel like it was definitely not as tense as this one. Like, there's, there was so much that happened between last year and now that, like, even though we had 43 entrants. Yeah, 43, 43 people in that tournament. It's huge. Which, yeah. I, that, that's a lot of people for a DDR tournament now. And I, I don't know if, if we have any San Jose players watching, but we the last tournament we had two machines to run it on, and this time we only had one. Yeah. yeah. So, a little bit unfortunate, but it went, this, it went pretty went smoothly. Well. Yeah. 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 Uh, so David Hua ran that. And, yeah, uh, shout out to David. Shout out to David. He worked really hard on that. I think he did a great job. Um, so we should talk about the results a little bit. So first place, anybody surprised by first place? I think a lot of people would be surprised. <laughs> it, it's, it, was, it was honestly kind of debatable what was going to happen. I, I think the, there's a lot to say about the rule set of that tournament. Well, we should first um, mention that it was Jeff Lloyd. Yeah. Our very own Congratulations to Jeff on winning the tournament. For getting first place, yeah. And second place was Chris Chike. I'm Chris for Life. 
and third place was Sappy, right? So third place was the one that I was most interested in, I thought. Uh, there was a lot of people I thought could have could have gotten third place. Yeah, that was it was uh, really up for grabs. Yeah, yeah. So like uh, we had a lot of LA players that that drove up for that tournament. Um, so we had Sappy, we had uh, JJK, mm-hmm. who uh, I remember JJK from uh, Best of the West, which was another fantastic DDR tournament. It was one of my first ones that I attended in the Bay Area. Um, and it, like, who else do you think would have uh, been a good contender? Jerry was a good candidate. Jerry, he got yeah. uh, third at the last San Jose tournament in November. Yeah. yeah. And so Jerry's yeah. really good. There was a, it's it's so cool to see like how many close matches there were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, I was just like when I wasn't competing, I was watching everyone else's matches. And there were a lot of one perfect it was, matches. It was awesome. I yeah. remember one of my favorite matches was Omid versus Jerry. Yeah. And uh, they played Plan 8 Expert, and that was uh, the 14. And they both got to the end. Like, they, they kind of uh, they kept trading back and forth. Like, one person was in the lead, and then mm-hmm. someone would mess up on one of the drills, and then the other person was in the lead. And at the very end, it came down to that last drill in Plan mm-hmm. 8. <laughs> and it was, the final score was 13 or sorry, 15 and three greats to 16 and three greats. So it was literally a one EX score difference. Damn. And yeah. it was just like, it blew my mind. Yeah, this is why you all should go watch tournaments. Like, if you're not going to compete, we think you should definitely compete. But Definitely compete. Definitely compete. But, like, we'll get into that in a little bit. But, yeah, like, yeah. watching, it's definitely all about these, like, close matches. That a lot of times it's unexpected. You never know what's going to happen. And uh, those, like, one EX point differences, everybody screams when that happens. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, so, crazy. so fun. But do it at the end of the song, please. Yeah. <laughs> not, not mid-song. <laughs> so, uh, overall thoughts and reactions about the SF Evolved EDRA tournament? The second one? I had a lot of fun. I, I, uh, I did a lot better than I thought I was going to do. What did you get? You got... I got... I tied I... Tyler for fifth. Excellent. And, yeah, a lot of, I had a lot of close matches. My match with Sappy was... was Pretty funny, and uh, mm. same thing with with my match with JJK, the egoism sandwich. Oh uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, it was, I, I had a great time. So and that, yeah, that was kind of one of the big complaints was the um, uh, people would have liked to see I think the difficulty kind of ramp up uh, towards the end of the. Yeah, I think we'll guys. do that next time. Yeah, yeah, so next time you guys think we should do that? Definitely. So uh, yeah, so if you, if for those of you that missed it, it was kind of it was a great tournament. Um, it was it was gauntlet style, right? No, no, no it was, it was, it was it card draw. draw. So it was a card draw style tournament. Um, so towards it was kind of like all ga- all the songs were fair game, or it was like thirteen to. It, it basically, the level cap sort of moved up as yeah. like there was like a window. So nine to sixteen, and then as you get into further and further rounds, it becomes unbounded on the top side, mm-hmm. and the lower cap was thirteen in the finals. Yeah. And so we're talking about maybe moving it up to fourteen or fifteen, or we'll we'll get into different styles of how you can run efficient tournaments yeah. in, in a little bit, I think. Okay, yeah. What, what else, do you have anything else to say about the tournament? I had fun. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, uh, won. it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was a time for me to sort of prove myself. I, I feel like, especially with KAC, um, you know, like, losing out on that, having a chance to prove myself a little bit and show I'm still in the running for, yeah. mm-hmm. for one of the best players. I, I, I like that a lot. Uh, so the other tournament that just happened uh, last weekend, right? Virginia yeah. Beach. Uh, 27 players attended that one. Uh, who was the one that ran it? Uh, Andy Freak, uh, Andy four five seven, a good friend of mine from uh, Virginia area. Yeah. Also a really good DDR player. Yes. Really good DDR player. Nice guy online. Hey Andy, hope you're watching. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so let's see. Uh, do you want to talk about the results? For yeah, that yeah. So uh, Brandino was uh, victorious. He was first place. Uh, then that uh, kid's really good. He's yeah. been so good for so long. Yeah, I guess we can go. We'll, we'll go one by one. But Brandino, I remember him from like the Rocky Mount days in North Carolina. Uh, back when I lived on the East Coast, I would drive down to all those tournaments, and 
he was always just fantastic. And uh, it's awesome to see him, you know, tearing up the game again. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of players you feel like, like I feel like I used to play with them back, you know, ten or eight years ago. It's like a lot of them haven't don't really play anymore. They don't have yeah. access to a machine. So it's always nice to see like the old school players. Oh, I love new school players too. But it's like uh, a healthy combination of both is, is yeah. very very good, I think. And then uh, Melvin Rubio got second, um, and he is he has just been tearing up Ace. Like he's not only an incredibly uh, good singles player, but he has a couple world records on double. And That's he's really... awesome. We, we, we need to see more more things happen on the double. End. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I play a little bit of double, but I, like, I want to focus... It's hard in the Bay Area. Yeah. It, the machines the... are in use constantly. That's true, too. But I always feel like, you know, if I'm playing double, I'm taking a little bit of time away from single, and I really want to be competitive on yeah. that side. So uh, to be able to do both and be very competitive in both is is a very good thing. Yeah, very, it's very high impressive. accomplishment. Um, and then third was, I think it's Kebble, is that, am I pronouncing that right? Kebble. Kebble. Um, and I don't, much, I don't know much about him, but Brendan Brendino told me he's like 15 years old and it's is crazy. this like rising star. Excellent. Like To get third at a tournament when you're 15 and, you know, haven't been playing for that long, <laughs> I, I presume he hasn't been playing for that long. Yeah, um, and especially with players like that, you know, going up against people like that, that like great players that attended that tournament. Yeah, mm -hmm. so that's, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more from him. Because, like, it's always, like, sometimes there's these very, very young players yeah. that come out of the woodwork, mm -hmm. and they can just do things that, like, us old people can't do anymore. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, really, really exciting to see. And also that it's, it gives a good feeling that new blood is coming into uh, tournaments and the community and everything. Um, because there needs to be a healthy bet. Like, yeah. people are always going to leave. Like, old school players are going to, they settle down, or they don't live near a machine anymore. Um, or they just lose interest. So it's, you always need that like funnel of people coming into the game as well. And tournaments do facilitate that a lot. So yeah. actually, this would be a great transition, I think, into our next topic, which is about our tournament history. Sure. And I think it's a good segue because uh, I want to talk a little bit about my tournament history. And I was actually always one of the youngest people in the DDR community in, in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, and so I felt like, uh, being a young player, I felt like I had to work a lot harder to impress try to impress my older friends. It's a good way to motivate people. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a really great motivator, I think, and it's also, like, a good way to break into a social circle, Yeah, which uh, a lot of young people are, are kind of, like, just doing that for the first time. Uh, were you also, like, one of the youngest people in your community? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was, like, 16 and 17 when I was getting pretty good. Yeah, me too. And I was surrounded by, like, low 20s, you know, mm -hmm. so uh, I had a lot of... Uh, like a lot of good like mentors in terms just like with dance games and otherwise like yeah. I felt like it really helped me grow as a person to be mm, surrounded by so many people who were uh, like so willing to accept a new person and be like and I got a little bit of credit because I was kind of good so it was like yeah. well, oh this guy like, I think acceptance has always been one of the best parts about the dance game community because there's so many different kinds of people that you you basically just have to accept everyone yeah exactly. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that, that's, uh, I think that's a whole other topic, is, like, about the community. It's, like, it's such a colorful community. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and, yeah, like, everybody's a little weird, I think, <laughs> but in a good way, in a way that it's, like, you know, we accept the niche people. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Anybody, anybody fits in as long as you can talk about the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, the thing I was thinking about with uh, playing with older kids, too, I remember the story where uh, one guy said that he was graduating high school soon, and he said for his graduation present, he's going to get a DDR machine. <laughs> and this is back in the day when, like, having your own DDR machine was unheard of. Yeah. And so that was really fun. Um, so it's first tournaments. Do you guys remember your first tournament? Yeah. I, my, my first tournament was at Magic Mountain 
East in Columbus, Ohio. It's, a, it's a famous arcade. Classic. Mm. The, the Extreme Machine. Perfect. Perfect Extreme <laughs> Machine. The pads, just amazing. Beautiful. Um, I, I drove, or I had my family drive me, like, two and a half hours from my hometown, Ashland, Kentucky, to Columbus, Ohio, to compete in this DDR tournament. And I thought I was really good, because I could full combo songs, and I was getting double A's on Extreme, and... Yeah, I was I was I was pretty confident going into it, and then my first match, I double A'd the song that I played. The first song was "Senorita." I got like thirty-five grades or something, and the person next to me gets like four, and I'm like, "How is this even possible? Is it, people are this good?" And of course, I was immediately kicked out of the tournament. I was immediately <laughs> eliminated, and it was it was a really interesting experience because, first of all, it taught me that I had a lot of a lot. A, a long way to go to become good, but also it showed me that it was possible to do that and that by subjecting myself to that competition, that that's how I would get there. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a great time. Yeah. I feel like my story is very similar to yours. Uh, maybe this is just like a universal thing, like thinking that you're hot shit and then you go to your first tournament and get destroyed. So uh, I remember... I was, I, I guess I was in my freshman year of high school, this is like 2006 or something, and I went to my first DDR Extreme tournament uh, somewhere in New Jersey. I, I'd even, I'd never been to that arcade before. I got my mom to like sign me out of class early, like with, for a doctor's appointment or something, and I, I got to go to this tournament, and I was getting like, I think I had like six grades or something on My Summer Love, and I was like, that's my song. Like, I'm so good at My Summer Love. <laughs> and... Uh, turns out everyone else is also very good at My Summer Love. So uh, I went to that tournament. I knew no one there. I entered. I picked My Summer Love on my opponent in our match, and he triple-aided on me. Yeah. And then he picked something hard, and I lost. And I was that's it. Like, I'm out of here. This, like, 45-minute yeah. drive to the middle of nowhere, New Jersey, to play. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, that's, that's how it goes. Yeah. But it was really motivating because it was like, like you said... There are people that are this good. Like, I need to be this good. Yeah. I'm not gonna like let this happen again. I wanna be the person who's knocking me out. Yeah, exactly. So but it was just like this this whole uh, you know, this like come back down to earth kind of moment where I you know had this big head and I was like, oh I'm so good. I wasn't. I mean it really it's all about working up to that first moment when you first beat someone in a tournament. And mm -hmm. I feel like the first time I actually won a tournament match, I was like, okay, like mm -hmm. this the work that I'm putting into this video game is paying off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so my first tournament experience was probably actually nothing like yours. Oh, really? Uh, my first tournament was the Southwest Showdown in Phoenix, actually Mesa, Arizona. And it was a big deal. There was, uh, it was sort of like the whole Southwest area, so that includes LA and San Diego uh, and the Phoenix area. There's a lot of good players. And at the time, I felt like I could not compete uh, with anybody. But I wanted to go anyway because everybody was my friends and it was a good way to hang out. Um, and uh, it was a really eye-opening moment for me, too, because there was one particular player uh, that was there, JSB. He was kind of famous in the community Damn. in the old days. And uh, see, watching him play was just mind-blowing. He was far better than everyone else. I remember he triple-A'd uh, like Max Unlimited in front of everybody, no bar, Woo! like no problem. <laughs> Which actually, to, even today, that's that's Yeah, I mean, I gotta say, I, I, I would be very impressed if I saw someone walk yeah. up to an extreme and do that. Yeah, so I, he was not even in the tournament. He wasn't even uh, playing in the tournament at the time. I just remember seeing him do that. 
And uh, yeah, that was that really blew me away. That, that kind of showed me like how far you can really take the game. Yeah. Because uh, at the time, I also didn't really know that there were people on the internet that were also uh, AAAing songs and stuff. So I think that's another thing that you can kind of gather from a tournament is like um, you know what the standards are. Yeah, you like, just see what's you, possible. What's possible? Yeah. yeah. Totally. Also, I wanted to mention something fun about that too. That was probably one of the only DDR tournaments that was covered in a major newspaper by my dad. He, he was writing an article for the New Times. That's badass. And uh, so the Southwest Showdown was actually on the front cover of the Phoenix New Times. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, so that was pretty fun. Um, so moving on, uh, that was our first tournament history. Oh, actually, uh, we did have a channel from the chat. Uh, channel Tanoshi uh, was asking about these old tournaments and how do they compare to the, uh, the tournaments that you're seeing nowadays? Hmm. I think... People have gotten better at running tournaments in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I think, I think we'll touch on it in a little bit, but I'll give a little spiel right now. But back then, it was a lot of pick pick random, which was basically a style of tournament where when you had two people coming up in a match, uh, each person would pick one song, and then if it was still undecided, if it was still one to one, then you'd go to some random song. And sometimes yeah. people use the machine random on Extreme or something. Sometimes you had a program that did it for you. But I think that's fallen out of favor a little bit. Uh, and yeah. now people are moving towards a card draw system, which is basically you take from a from a pool of songs that might be predetermined. It might be like there might be level caps on it or something. But you take a like five songs, for example, and each person will actually veto one of them that they don't want to play. Yeah, they'll say I don't want to play Love Love Sugar or I don't want to play exactly. or you know. Egoism 440 Challenge. Exactly. Right. So <laughs> you you each veto one, and then the remaining three are the ones that you play, and. I have my I'll talk about my opinions about which one is better in a little bit, but um, yeah. that's kind of I think that's that's probably the biggest evolution of. Uh, yeah, I think back in the day when people were first starting to run tournaments, they it didn't really occur to them that you could do anything other than something based on playing the game in a versus way, yeah. right? Like normally when you go up and play DDR with someone, you pick a song, they pick a song, and then the third one is either a random one or you mm -hmm. go back Flip and forth, a coin or right? something, yeah. And, of course, when you're first starting to come up with a tournament format, that's the first thing that occurs to you. So yeah. that's what everyone did. Yeah. And then they realized, wait a second, like, actually what happens in this situation is someone picks a song they're good at and wins, and then someone else picks a song that they're good at and wins, and then it's actually the third song, it's the really random, the, yeah, that, that actually determines anything. Totally. Well, I think one of the biggest differences, too, the impetus for the card draw system and stuff, is we have just a lot more songs to play. Yeah. That's true, too, yeah. Uh, back then, I mean, like, everybody had played all of the songs through and through, so it's kind of like if you picked one, it was almost as good as just choosing it at random. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that, that, to me, that's the thing that sticks out the most, is, like, everybody kind of knew all the songs through and yeah. through. It really affected the way qualifiers work too. I think like nowadays qualifiers are um, kind of like a random off off brand chart, but back then it was kind of like something everybody knew already. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was that's our tournament history. So also, also I think to contrast tournaments back then and now, uh, like now the competitive scene has been alive for so long that it's it's a lot more intense now. Mm -hmm, you know, true. like it is, yeah. Especially I, with major league gaming, I think, and, yeah. and stuff like that becoming a serious thing. It's like it's not. It's no longer just a uh, a community event. It's now kind of almost like a global thing. Yeah. Like now we're hearing about. Yeah, I mean we're 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 talking about this tournament that Andy ran. Yeah, and on the other side of the country. Like, is is that something that would have happened ten years ago that we would have? Like in California, that we're going to talk about a tournament that happened across the country. Yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. 
So on that note, actually, if you want to talk about your first tournament, uh, post in the chat or tweet at us at SF underscore evolved. We'd love to hear it. Maybe we'll talk about it on the show. Um, also, actually, if there are any, so we talk a lot about the East Coast and the West Coast. Yeah. I think it'd be cool to hear about some like, you know, Texas players, Midwest players, North Dakota, South Dakota. If any of you guys are out there, uh, you know, send us, a, send, a, send us a message in the chat or, or tweet at us. Uh, we should talk about your scene, too. Yeah. Um, so moving on, uh, we also wanted to talk a little bit about like official tournaments versus community-run tournaments. There's a huge difference in the way that they're ran. Um, there was like Digital Life, the official Konami tournament. Yeah, there haven't been that many official tournaments. Yeah, no, no. We talk about them. They're they're very few and far between. Yeah. So can you tell me about Digital Life? Because I actually never heard about that one. Yeah, you did you go to the 2006 one? I did not. But oh, you did I, not. I just know that Steve. Oh, right. Won the tournament. Right, right. So that was in the U.S. Yeah, 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 it's it at New, uh, York. New York City, it's hmm. Javits Center. I went to the Digital Life 2007, and uh, that was right when Supernova was new or came out or recently or something. So they had a brand new Supernova machine at the Konami booth. They put it on a stage, which is a terrible idea. <laughs> and uh, it broke very quickly. After, like, there were sensors wrong, the, one of the speakers blew out. Like, Supernova was a bad time. Um, but it was like an official Konami-run tournament. So yeah. oh, cool. they... Uh, I think it actually, it was very similar to, uh, like, pick. it was just like a pick-pick random, I think. Um, but I know there have been other tournaments. There was the 2009 DDR National Championship. Yeah. Uh, where, I know they, they, at least in New Jersey, when they did, like, the little regional qualifier there, they had a wheel, like a, like a, like a, uh, like a Ferris wheel type thing. And they spun it to determine, like, what song you were going to play. And there were six songs on the wheel. <laughs> it was like... What were they? Like, Insertion, Dragon Blade, Red Zone, <laughs> and... Fascination Max. No, it, I don't think it was... No, because we were playing... I think we were playing on Supernova 2, but other qualifiers were being held on Supernova 1. Uh. So they didn't take Marvelous into account on Supernova 2. Hmm. So I was playing... I, I was second place in that tournament. I lost to my good friend Jimbo. And we kept tying on songs because we'd both triple-A it. Yeah. But, or perfect full combo it. Um, but he would get... A mu he had much better MA than I did. So he would... He'd have, like, 15 perfects, and I'd have 25. And they're like, yep, you guys are even. Play another... Like, spin the wheel. <laughs> and we kept spinning the same songs, and then eventually we hit Dragon Blade, which I'm bad at, and he beat me. But I was just like... What? This is ridiculous. Like, yeah. that's not how to run a tournament. And they spelled insertion wrong. They spelled it inserted on. And I'm like, come on, guys. Like, Well, I think, I think their KAC tournaments are in a completely different yeah, league. I mean, this, was, this was different. Like, Konami of Japan versus Konami of America. Obviously, and this was, what, eight years ago? Like, yeah. they've, I'm sure they've learned a bunch. But it, it was very funny as, like, uh, like, a tournament. I used to enter ton tons of tournaments on the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, and then going to the DDR, official DDR one, it was like, hmm. There was, there was also the official ITG national tournament in, in Las Vegas that, yeah. that happened. When was that? 2005? Something like that, yeah. And that was actually run by Roxor? Yeah. And that was, that was a pretty big deal. I remember hearing a lot about that one. They, they gave away a cab? They gave away a, a cab, and I think my acquaintance won it. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, that, yeah. like, well, that's a nice that would have been the coolest though. thing in the world. Yeah, to that, win a cab, like, it was, I'm assuming great it was a job, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> assuming it was a dedicated cab. Right? Yeah. Yes. Dedicated um, cabinet, for those of you that don't yeah. know. Man, that, like, 
I'm, I'm, I was just so used to tournaments just being, you know, like you win like 150 bucks if you win. Great. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I was happy with that. I was like 16 or 17. Great. I get, that's a great difference between official tournaments and community-run tournaments. The official tournaments, the prizes are way better. Well, like, except at KAC where they can't give away prizes. Oh, uh, that's true, yeah. But, but you, you get you get the best prize of all, honor, <laughs> when you when you even place. And a yeah. cool shirt. It's, it's, Go back I, and watch episode one if you want to see what the shirt looks it's like. It's a very cool shirt. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, speaking of community-run tournaments, actually a lot of people in the chat are saying that the San Jose tournament was their first one. That's wow. great. So, That's great to hear. That's really awesome. That's and extremely We're, we're going to try and have more tournaments, hopefully one soon, uh, sometime around, somewhere yeah. around here. And we're going to, we got to negotiate with a couple, you know, either David Musters or round one, mm -hmm. but yeah. uh, I'm really, really excited to have more tournaments in the area. Yeah, I think so, it's like the best way to get better. And if you were on the fence about whether to, to enter last time, definitely enter the next one. It's, it's, it's a great experience and... Even if you go up and get creamed like we all did when we first entered our tournaments, mm -hmm. like you, you just feel so good about the possibilities mm -hmm. yeah. afterward. And you learn about rivals. Like I think the best, one of the best things about tournaments is figuring out like where you placed yeah. and who was similar to you. And sometimes you go up against someone who you didn't know before. Exactly. And your match was really close. Yeah, and it's like okay, this person is actually it's, someone. It's a magical experience, yeah. I think, because you're you're you get bonded with the person, the people you play. Yeah, against. totally. And if it is a close match, then it's a kind of an emotional thing. Like, yeah, that you, you make a friend, right? Yeah, totally, like, absolutely. I, I played against JJK a couple of years ago at a Anime Expo DDR Extreme tournament. Excellent. And like, we we just kept trading wins and losses, and then after that, like, we just were. We're constantly neck and neck, and it's, it, it feels great. Yeah. So uh, Zanzibar in the tournament or in the chat was asking, whatever happened to freestyle tournaments? Freestyle. It's it's an interesting story. I, I feel like yeah. I when I first got into into DDR, I didn't really know about score attack, but I saw a bunch of videos online from California tournaments, and they were all freestyle. Yeah. And the they were doing some really cool stuff. Yeah. That was the only thing people wanted to watch back in the days. You know, yeah. talking about yeah. the difference between like old and new tournaments. That's a good. That's a good point. Yeah. I think it very much has to do with like what we were talking about with uh, just people taking thing the tournament more seriously now, uh, with like the major league gaming atmosphere and. Yeah, I, I think with with freestyle, it's so much harder to judge. Yeah. When you watch a freestyle, like when you watch someone do it, you're like, okay, by which metrics do I judge this thing? And <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. with score attack. I mean, you get a number, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's like, which of these is easier to do? And people <laughs> tend to gravitate toward the path of least resistance, which yeah. means score attack is just going to win by default, I yeah. think. Yeah. Totally. Um, Sunnyvale Golfland in uh, Sunnyvale in California yeah. was like, I, I watched videos on Yeah, DDR a lot of legendary videos. Like, yeah. those were, some of my favorite freestyles are from that, like, those tournaments that were held yeah. there. And I think, yeah, like, it's just hard to... And then, like, people just kept taking the game more and more seriously and working on scoring, and then, like, the freestylers, like, there wasn't any new blood coming in to replace the people who were leaving. Yeah. And when you only have a tournament of two people, like, you don't have a tournament at all. Yeah. So, it, eventually, it's sort of, like, uh, it kills itself. At, at that first like, tournament I went to, that MME2, mm -hmm. um, the first freestyle match, or the first freestyle I ever saw was Chris Bodie, Kevin Bodie's brother, and his fiance or something and it was like it was just this amazing like couples ddr thing and i was like this is incredible yeah and uh yeah i i, I kind of wish people were still doing it yeah, yeah it, it was fun to watch uh yeah so it's kind of an important part of actually like ddr tournament history or ddr history in general so like i encourage you guys 
if you've never seen like a freestyle tournament, go back and watch some of those like old SVGL videos on YouTube. I have a couple recommendations. Uh, I was gonna say Tampopo Arcade is a documentary on the Pigs website that is pretty good. Although actually it's kind of a bad documentary, but it shows a little bit about what the freestyle scene was like in the 90s, early 2000s. What's your recommendation? Well, uh, there's, uh, I think it's like DJ 8-Ball and Samantha. They do a, a routine on Synchronized Love. That's one of my favorites. And uh, for newer freestylers, there's actually uh, a couple, I think there are a couple in Japan. They go by Pandasan Team, like Panda. Um, so if you search for Pandasan Team, you might find some of their videos. And they are just absolutely incredible. They won the Pump It Up freestyle tournament wow. at Excellent. Uh, the last WPF. And like, oh, yeah, they still do it at WPS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. now that Pump is in Japan, they like were like, oh, we'll, we'll enter the freestyle tournament for Pump. That's and they, awesome. they created an awesome routine. Like, they, they are some of the best freestylers I've ever seen. So, speaking of Japan, actually, Matt Zubakowski in the chat says there's a freestyle tournament in Nagoya in August. Yes. Really? Yeah, that's, uh, I think that's yearly. Wow. And uh, there was one actually in, in March, I think, at in some arcade in Nagoya. But uh, that might be the same one that I've seen Panasan go to, but I think I, there's also one in Tokyo, at least. I know there's one, at, it was at Warehouse, the Warehouse yeah. oh, uh, great. arcade that we went to a couple times. Kawasaki Warehouse. Kawasaki, yeah, I was yeah. like, what's the name? Kawasaki Warehouse. <laughs> uh, Kilo Brittany in the chat also said that there's freestylers at Dave & Buster's in Daly City. Yeah, I, 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 I see them. I haven't, much, I haven't seen that. I haven't yes, seen you have. <laughs> really? Yeah, I think maybe, maybe it's just part of like the DDR playing experience, so you don't <laughs> even know what, what other people are doing because you just see it so, so often. Well, maybe that's true. But I feel like every arcade around here, I see at least one person every couple weeks doing it. Yeah. Definitely so. seems more common in Pump It Up, actually. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, boy, yeah, you know, Pump It Up, actually, just the way that the pads are laid out, much more expressive, I think, in yeah. the, the movements and stuff. Um, so, yeah, uh, moving on, uh, different tournament formats. We want to talk about some, like, pros and cons about different for formats. Uh, we already talked kind of a little yeah, bit about Yeah, we talked a little bit about drum. it already. Yeah. Uh, I think one thing, well, there's, I think, some up-and-coming styles, and also, like, one that's completely for one kind of tournament. So Gauntlet's yeah. an interesting style. With Gauntlet's basically that everyone's sort of playing the same songs, yeah. and you typically give some, like, strikes or something to the bottom performers. Uh, sometimes you use, like, one strike, you're out, or if you're trying to do, like, a double elimination, then two strikes, you're out. Yeah. Um, which is great for sight-read tournaments, and for anyone who's not aware of what sight-reading uh, tournaments are about... It's basically when no one seems to has seen the chart before. That's yeah, works very is, well. This is for, typically only on in the group. Exactly yeah. when people are making their custom files. Suppose it could happen with. It happened a lot with edits back in the day. Yeah, I was just thinking. Yeah. Like I've actually never been to an edit site re tournament, yeah. but that'd be cool. I think. Yeah, there, we had a few in Ohio. They're, oh, awesome. pretty fun. Yeah, so mo more commonly in the groove right now, but uh, basically that way you kind of give everyone the same uh, the same three songs or something they have to play and uh, you can judge them based on how well they placed. Yeah. So, really cool format, but it's sort of like you can't actually hold... Well, you can do KAC, which is also kind of gauntlet. Yeah, it's pretty gauntlet. Uh, but uh, it's a little bit different in that sense, <laughs> for, for other reasons. Yeah. But, yeah, I think the KAC is, is more of like an exhibition style, yeah. where it's, it's more about they, they really just kind of want to show you all their crazy stuff and want to show you the best players. Exactly. Yeah. So let's, let's move on from uh, tournament styles. Let's talk a little bit more about like preparing for a tournament and sort of like how to do it for yourself. So Emotionally. So for, for one, tough. actually, I kind of want to talk a little bit about consistency because this is a problem that I have. Mm -hmm. So like I, I feel like I can get some pretty good scores on some hard songs, but I'm definitely pretty bad at consistency. And actually, I've noticed that, like, watching other tournaments, too, there's a lot of players that I've, I've seen them get, like, post-amazing scores, but then during the tournament, 
they either choke or they're just not you know good at playing cold or stuff like that. There's yeah. so there's so much going on that it's yeah. inside your head that it's just it's it's really hard to do. I think this is part of the illusion that we were talking about of thinking that you're like a lot better than you are. Yeah, it's like you know you you feel like you can try really hard on one particular song, get a good score one time, but consistency is like a whole nother skill that you have to practice for. Yeah, Jeff's really good at consistency. Yeah, do you, have, do you have any tips for us about how to be consistent? I would say, uh, well, I play almost every song. Like, <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, I play a lot of different songs, and uh, I think like having that breadth, like not focusing on one song for too long typically helps your consistency, because if you only have one shot to play, like if I'm only gonna pick one song, on a given day, then I better be good at it. Yeah. So um, I tend to not like play the same song over and over and over again. Um, so I think that's important. Um, but also entering tournaments itself is a way to practice your consistency. I feel like I was very lucky growing up on the East Coast, where, in New Jersey specifically, because I was able to go to Ohio for Fort Rapids and other huge tournaments there. Uh, I went down I went to a few of those. Yeah, I might have, did you go to four? I think this was at one and two. Oh, okay. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't with those. Um, but I went down to North Carolina for uh, Rocky Mount. So I did a couple of those. Pennsylvania to Harrisburg tournaments. I had a bunch of experience there. And so there was just so many, like every month or two months, I was driving, you know, a couple hundred miles to some tournament and getting to practice playing under pressure. I think the pressure is an important part of it. Like consistency, yes, but if you can't, if you're like nervous about the crowd that's watching you, yeah. or if you're like, oh man, I'm gonna choke, or if I lose this song, like I'm out. I better do my best, and then you overthink it. Yeah. And now, you know, it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy that, uh, you know, you have some negative feelings about stress, and it sort of uh, it comes Snow to haunt you. Yeah, exactly. So in summary, your recommendation for consistency is just keep going to tournaments until you no longer, it's no longer a new thing to you. Yeah, I mean, so I, I, like, I, I, everyone's gonna, you're always gonna get nervous in a tournament. If you're like yeah, me, yeah. like, I'm terrified when I'm going up against someone that's very, very good. Yeah. At KAC, like, my heart was pounding the entire time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's the biggest crowd I've ever seen watching a DDR tournament. Yeah. Um, I, I think we, we could all say that. Yes. Yeah. Definitely some, some, uh, less, some less broad things, more specific things, I think, that you could do. Uh, for me, what helps is, is uh, not sitting down. I think it's important if you want to stay warm. That, people are pretty split on that. Like, yeah. I know you don't yeah. sit down, and you don't even, like, when you're playing, you don't like, like just a casual day, you don't sit down. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. So I, I sit down all the time. Mm. I love sitting. Yeah, yeah I can't decide whether it's good or not. <laughs> sitting. Is I'm it sitting good? right now, but later on I might not be sitting. <laughs> Tell us in the chat, what do you think about sitting? <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, actually, I mean, like seriously though, like sitting uh, makes me cool down, I think, pretty fast. Yeah. And I take a little while to warm up. And so uh, one of the things I've been doing... Yeah, on, playing on cold is always really hard about Yeah, tournament. so like, so for self-practice, it's really uncomfortable in the beginning, but jump right into 15s in the beginning of your set. Or jump... I think, I, I think for the skill level that you have, like, my, my general warm-up strategy whenever I'm playing DDR now is I play the hardest songs that I think that I can do pretty well on mm -hmm. the first song of the day. And just, just to try and make myself get the blood flowing as quick as possible so I can move into doing, you know, things that are harder than that. Yeah. And I think that's that's helped me a lot, Start starting to play cold. Yeah. yeah. I, for KAC practice, because basically we were told there's a very good chance you're not going to be able to warm up mm -hmm. before the songs. And everything is like 17 plus. The only songs you can pick in KAC are at least a 17. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, how do I tackle this? And my solution was I'd go to the arcade and I'd pick an 18 or a 19. First song of the day. 
and I was bad at it, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it got to the point where, okay, I can, like, full combo in 18 when I'm cold, but yeah. that's, that's a skill. It's certainly a skill. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's hard to do. It's just very easy to feel like, oh, I have to warm up. I have to, um, you know, I want to get a few games in before I really push myself. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, what that ha what happens is you don't push yourself as hard as you could. Yeah, and you you only have so much time. Exactly. Like if I, I've been playing basically like one or one and a half hour sessions, and if you only have that much time, you can't play nines and tens to to warm up. Yeah. You, you just have to go straight into exactly. it. Exactly. So uh, Zanzibar on Twitter is asking about uh, rituals, supplements, or other pre-tournament workouts. What do you guys think about that? I know Roger, you you I'm, have a lot of uh, pre-tournament or yeah, pre-DDR sessions. Yeah, I, I have a. I, I try to eat the same meal configuration. <laughs> like I have to have a McFlurry for the extreme <laughs> amount of sugar. Uh, I, I generally follow the McFlurry with like some sort of energy drink or a high caffeine situation, like Monster Monster, Monster Ultra Zero. It's probably <laughs> my favorite. Um, but really, like it's. I think I've had good DDR days or good tournament days, like when none of the rituals happen and when exactly. all of the rituals happen. It just, yeah. it really kind of, it's really all about how much you play, like, whether when you're playing you're practicing things like staying, like, like warming up really quickly, things like that. I, I think, yeah, I mean, everyone has the rituals. Mm -hmm. Do you have any rituals? I don't really, yeah. I think, I, in some ways I feel like an outlier, like I didn't, I don't eat particularly well before tournaments. Sometimes I've eaten Taco Bell or McDonald's. Or I mean, it's, it's, it's simple carbohydrates. It, it gets it, right in there. Man, so for those of you who aren't on the East Coast, Sheets is amazing. <laughs> and we I sort of, like, is. everyone, like, from North Carolina down, like, understands the beauty of Sheets. And so Harrisburg tournaments always, I guess they were also in Pennsylvania, but there weren't any in New Jersey. But So I'd go to the Harrisburg tournament, and it was there was, like, a Sheets connected to the mall, and I'd get... Like a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant every single time, and I like I think I won two or three of the tournaments that I yeah. played out there. And it was like that was kind of, that was the closest thing to a ritual I think I had. But I was just like, this food is like just fuel for whatever twelve I'm about to play in, in the groove. So yeah. I, personally, I think it has nothing to do with the physical. I think it's all mental. So like this it, ritual, that's, that's with, really it's not about what you ate exactly, but it's like because you eat the same thing beforehand, your brain is remembering. The last time you did really well. Yeah, in a I, I I try to do like mindfulness meditation and stuff <laughs> yeah, like that. that. Help, but yeah. you know, it's it's really all about like staying positive, getting into the mindset of doing well. Yeah, yeah, or just being happy. I think like, yeah. being in a good mood. So like, eat whatever makes you happy. I think that's probably yeah, the, that's the best advice. McDonald's does make me happy. Yeah. So so for me, actually, I, I kind of uh, feel like I do better if I don't eat beforehand. I feel like food kind of weighs me down. Yeah, and that's that's just proof that it. That people are, are different, yeah. and also, like, sometimes it doesn't even really matter. Because mm -hmm. I feel like if I don't eat a lot, then I'm not going to do well. But I know so many people like you who don't eat, and they can still do amazingly. Like, I, I, Dalton goes to the arcade all the time, and he's like, oh, I haven't eaten yet. Mm -hmm. And he, like, busts out some crazy scores, and I'm <laughs> yeah. like, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, so where did the fuel come from? Exactly, then, you yeah. know? It differs from person to person. Um, so what about sleep? I think at least sleep is That's very probably important. the most important yeah, thing. most important thing. I definitely find that, like... I'm doing really bad if I can't focus, you know, sleep. It's That seems like a really obvious thing. I, so, man, uh, I don't think I've had, like, sleep problems before a tournament, but KAC was... I woke up in a cold sweat at, like, 4 in the morning, <laughs> the day the, the morning of KAC, and I couldn't fall asleep. I, w I was up at, like, 5.30 in the morning at, during KAC. Like, jet lag plus, like, intense nerves. Hmm. So, and I still did okay, 
ish. Um, so I don't know. Like, I think it's sleep is definitely important. I like to try to get. I think like having a rigid schedule is better than like like oh I sleep like crap throughout the week, but the last day, like the day, night before a tournament, I'm going to sleep eight hours. Like, mm -hmm. no, you should probably like just sleep eight hours every night if you can, and yeah. that way you'll be prepared. Like, definitely, it's it's you can't like catch up on sleep like that, like so close to a stressful event in your life, regardless. Yeah, of and, and really, this kind of just feeds into back into what we were just saying about the the mental state, where like, yeah. if you don't have a lot of sleep, you're probably not going to be in a good mood. Mm -hmm. Not in a good mood, probably not going to do that well. Yep. So, I pretty much. Uh, yeah. So we talked about playing good cold. So uh, kind of. Going into our next topic, actually, as we're going towards the end of the show, I just want to remind everybody that we're still taking questions, and we're going to have a Q&A session at the end. Be nice if it was about tournaments, but it could be about anything. Yeah, really anything. So uh, tweet at us, at SF underscore evolved, or post in the chat, and uh, be a part of the discussion. Um, so up next, before we get to that, uh, I wanted to talk about running a tournament a little bit. So sure. if anybody wants to actually start running a tournament, what is kind of the first steps? As someone with experience with that, with Best of the West and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So to give, to give some uh, uh, context, I ran and helped run uh, Best of the West, which is a tournament series that I created with Mark Johnson, uh, another uh, Bay Area player. And we, it was sort of like a, an amalgamation. So it had like DDR, 2DX, Poppin. So we held it at Sunnyville Golf Great Land. Thank mm -hmm. you. Um, we held it at Sunnyville Golf Land, and they had like every machine. Yeah. So it was very easy to do like 10 tournaments in one weekend. Not e Sorry. It was possible to do 10 tournaments in one weekend. <laughs> it was definitely not easy. Um, but yeah, so I've sort of, uh, I've tried to think a lot about what makes a uh, tournament competitively in, like, there, you want to have integrity in your tournament. Like, you want to make sure that it doesn't really matter if you played the first match or the last match. Sort of the arbitration stayed the same throughout. The rules were consistent throughout. Like, you know, you can't, if you have a friend that's playing and they, Oh, they got a pad miss. They're like, oh, you know, you're my friend. Why don't you like recalc that for me? You know, I you know I stepped on got a marvelous. You've seen me done it before. Like, you can't yeah. you can't give anyone preferential treatment. Um, so it's it's a little bit hard to get in that mindset of like you really need to be rigid and firm because a lot of you know it's easy to be like oh well you know just for this one time I'll let it slide, but as soon as you do that then you have to let it slide for everyone. Yeah, and so I, I also want to mention actually that uh, following, like having really strict rules too, actually makes everyone get along better. Yeah, even though you have to yeah, be kind of you, firm. Yeah, you know what's going on. Yeah, you, you don't. You, there's no leeway in anything. Exactly. People, people when, feel like they're not getting their toes stepped on because there's always going to be like if you're the tournament organizer, you're going to be the arbitrator, you're going to be the final say. Yeah. Exactly. And so everybody actually ends up getting along better if you do that. Yeah. So even though it, it feels like counterintuitive. Yeah. Uh, one thing that one of my mantras has been. Uh, that people, if people are going to feel badly about a tournament, then they should feel bad at me, the tournament organizer, not the other players. Yeah. So it's very important, especially from a community building standpoint, that if there is like, if two people are playing a match and one of them, uh, you know, gets a pad miss or something, which happens sometimes, if, it you happens, know, you know. If, <laughs> That's very good. We should go in, we should have a whole hour about uh, move over for Supernova. Um, <laughs> But basically, like, you know, if, if that, what, that player turns to their other their opponent and say, like, will you let me recalc that? Like, you know, like, come on, let's, like, redo it. And then now the onus is on, like, the other participant to be, like, no, because I won. Yeah, that's... Or, yes, I'm trying to be a nice person. Whereas, like, in that situation, I would, as the tournament organizer, be like, no, you can't do it. Or, yes, you can. And then whoever's mad is mad at me and not their opponent. Yeah. Which is, I think, it's just super important because I've seen tournaments get run where... The tournament organizer is a little bit timid about things, 
and sort of lets like a, an angry person walk over them. <laughs> and then you have this problem where someone's like, well, you know, you made such a big fuss about that thing. And now I'm not friends with you. Like, which you never want to have. Tournaments are supposed to bring people together. Yeah, it's, not it's really all about animosity. making people more, like, better friends than they were before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But arbitration and stuff like that's always going to get in the way. Yeah. Um, so it's important to have someone who you can, like, they can join together and be mad at one person for yeah. a call they didn't agree with. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's kind of a weird, it is very counterintuitive, like you said, James. Yeah. As far as running tournaments goes, I think... If, if you've never run a tournament before and you want to run a tournament, it's not that hard nowadays. I remember back in the day, people had a hard time trying to figure out how to design brackets and stuff. God. But nowadays, it's really easy. Yeah. Like the website uh, challenge.com, C-H-A-L-L-O-N-G-E.com, has a really great way to, to just have a gaming tournament. And yeah. you just plug people's names in and you're good to go. And so talk to your local arcade management say, hey, we want to have a DDR tournament on your machine or a pump-it-up tournament on your machine or whatever, and we'll give you some of this entry fee, and we'll take some of this money for uh, the prize, and we'll invite a bunch of people to come to your arcade and spend a bunch of money. Yep. And usually they'll, they'll go for it. So yeah. I think it's a, it's a great way to kind of kickstart the community in your area if nothing's going on. Uh, I, I, I encourage everyone out there to, to run tournaments. If there's nothing going on in your area, just... Do it yourself. Yeah, totally. So I also want to mention, actually, that there's a lot of um, uh, arcades out there now are kind of like owned by big chains, like Dave & Buster's and Round One. But we've held tournaments at Dave & Buster's. And yeah, so they're, they're, so they're cooperative. Receptive. There's yeah. nothing to be like intimidated about with uh, even, like, I know I kind of thought initially, like, uh, you know, these these are just big businesses. They're, they're not going to care about the community at all. But it turns out they do, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they want to make money, too. Yeah. I want to shout out the Dave & Buster's Irvine crew, because... When a tournament was held there, I like I decided to drive down. Just a couple months after Ace came out in the states, and they like brought out the fanfare. Like they had uh, they had uh, trophies made for us. Wow. They had staff that was dedicated to helping the people that were running the tournament. So uh, like they had like they brought that thing where you take pictures. The, like, it says Dave and Buster's logo everywhere. But they they made it feel like a real thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they gave away really good prizes. They for a fifteen dollar entry. You got a $15 game card and $15 that you could use in food or something. So even if you didn't even know what DDR was, you go up to the counter and say, I want to enter a DDR tournament. You pay them $15 and you get $30 worth of Dave & Buster stuff. So immediately it was a good deal. So there was no reason not to enter. Yeah. And then they gave away you know, gift cards for Dave & Buster's credits for people who won. And that's just like... I, I hope they do it again. I'd, yeah, I'd love it was, to it was amazing. Uh, Irvine tournament. Yeah, there, I know there's something in the planning stages. I can't, can't speak too Ooh. much about it, but uh, hopefully that's coming soon for anyone in the, in the SoCal area. Or get a caravan of people from Vegas or NorCal. Like, I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be getting Roger in a car and yeah. Buzzard in a car. We're going to drive down, whatever. So speaking of uh, hearing about tournaments, Peter Vera on Twitter uh, wants to know, how do you hear about tournaments before they happen? It's a good question. I hope this show is one way. Yeah. Um, sort of at the end of every show, I hope we can sort of conclude with future things that are going on, things in your area you might be interested in. Um, and if you know of anything, post in the chat or tweet at us and we can mention it on the show. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So we knew about the, the, uh, the Virginia Beach tournament that just happened uh, through like Facebook. A lot of it's through Facebook invites now. It yeah. used to be on forums, but everything has moved over to Facebook. And Champions of the Coast is coming up soon, too. Yeah, that's in August. Um, so... 
Uh, yeah, so, yeah, there's, of... there's a couple of groups, I guess, that we could shout out. So there's the DDR Players group on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's how I hear a lot about, of, uh, about a lot of news. Um, yeah. If you just follow a lot of DDR players on Twitter, um, like, Twitter's a great place for that, I think, because, yeah. like, you, you can, you know, it's not like a friend request or anything. You just start following people that uh, are you interest, you're interested in. They're posting scores and stuff. And a lot of times they're going to tweet about a tournament in their area. Yeah. Totally, that's true, so. too. The Manu style sometimes posts about tournaments that are coming up. Yep. So, um, and and uh, Dave Lee's DDRcommunity.com. Sure. Exactly. So that, yeah, yeah, so that's DDRcommunity.com and bmanistyle.com. Yeah. So those, those would be good to, uh, to check resources. out for, for any news about not just DDR, but other things as well. Yeah, so that yeah, that's definitely how I hear about it. It's mostly through social media. So yeah, get be a be a player on social media. Um, so uh, oh, just a, a little side thing. There's a lot of talk about McFlurries. Oh, Somebody McFlurry. wants to know what your favorite flavor. I want. So I feel like the only one that really exists in the Bay Area for some reason is the Oreo McFlurry. And the Oreo Wrong. McFlurry that's, is is great. That's the honestly. only one that comes to mind. Really. Um, I really like the Reese's, but Reese's Ooh. seems rare. There's a Reese's? There is a Reese's. Right now, McDonald's has a, the, the Rolo McFlurry, oh, which is good. Interesting. Um, I, I prefer the Oreo, personally. I like the M&M. Mm, nice. I don't know. I, am I in the minority here? I like M&M's. I like it, too. Thanks, yeah, Dalton. Too chocolatey. <laughs> Oreo's not chocolatey enough. But no, Oreo's I, I like perfect. I like the Oreo McFlurry because it reminds me of TV static or, <laughs> or, or, or ones and zeros. You got... You got the contrast of the nothing and the something. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, I agree. You're <laughs> gonna have to take a second to get over most, that. It's the most cyber McFlurry. It's the I, most I cyber McFlurry, especially since Oreo is not something that exists in nature. It's a man-made thing. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> okay, so if there was any doubt about this being a live show or anything, like <laughs> this is not scripted at all. <laughs> Very good. Brother. We are live. Thank you. Uh, so moving on. Oh so like. Oh, uh, also having to do with running a tournament. Zanzibar on Twitter wants to know what what are some good prizes that you could offer, uh, besides maybe cash, so like shoes, workout gear, streaming equipment, maybe. I, I think that there's a, a real opportunity that a lot of people haven't um, taken in the past with tournaments, where like if you're organizing a tournament and you're and you're down to like put some of your own money into the prize pool, um, maybe buy something for the prize, like yeah. say like you know maybe maybe a pair of shoes or yeah or shirts. Shirts are always great. Like, yeah. make some merch for your tournament. Like, people are going to be wearing that for years, at least to go to bed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you, you, it's good for brand identity. It's also good for just reminding people to play DDR all the That's time. That's true, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think, like, I mean, like, if you can get your Dave & Buster's around one to, like, chip in and get, like, an iPad or used to be, like, an iPod might have been a good... I don't, iPads are kind of expensive, I guess. Yeah. But, like... Something I I don't think I would offer shoes because like you can't guarantee yeah, size. Sizing. You uh you know workout clothes same thing like a lot towel? of towel. A towel might be cool. Yeah. Um yeah there's a lot of stuff I I, mean, I like cold hard cash. I yeah, think cash I, is good. I think uh you know a lot of times it's like a ten dollar or a fifteen dollar entry fee and like five dollars goes to the venue ten dollars goes to the pot. Yeah. I think that's a good and then like you do some sort of split for first second and third usually sixty percent thirty percent ten percent. And so, well, cash is cool, but I kind of like having a you know a timepiece to sort of yeah no I, I will definitely get trophies yes trophies I or think trophies, trophies some or medals kind of commemorative something something yeah. that people want to hold on to yeah. I, I yeah, have David, a ton of trophies David made uh, medals for the last tournament yeah right? yeah and yeah, yeah. I have that hanging in my room now so yeah, I have a great. whole thing where I have a bunch of dance game trophies I won over the years um, yeah how is that funny that's fun <laughs> yeah it's great shout out to Jimbo because Jimbo made like the most badass trophies and I ha still own them I still keep them by my bed. 
All right, so we're, we're going to transition now. Uh, towards the end of the show, we're going to start our Q&A session. So if you have any questions for us, tweet at us at SF underscore Evolved or post in the chat. I think there was a question just now. Yeah, so there is a question. So um, we have a question from the chat. What is the best way to promote a tournament? Uh, Facebook, I guess? Is, I, yeah, so talk to oh, us. Uh, we, we should talk about an, uh, one issue with um, these big companies having uh, the DDR machines, I guess, is Dave & Buster's won't allow unofficial signage up in the store. Yeah, that that's right? one thing we found out was there was no way for us to say like, hey, DDR tournament either here or elsewhere or anything um, without corporate approval. So things can get a little bit bogged down in the corporate yeah. sense. It's nice to have some sort of signage at your local arcade where it's happening because obviously people who are coming there will be like, oh, hey, that's happening on Saturday. I'll go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think that really it's the world we live in now where we have social media, like it's probably easier than ever to promote things. Um, so if you can put up a flyer in, in, your, in your arcade, that's great. Mm -hmm. um, but at the very least, add everyone that you talk to at the arcade on Facebook and spam them all with your tournament information. <laughs> yeah. That's just the way to go. And yeah, if you have like a, if you do play DDR in like a small uh, arcade, I think they would probably allow some kind of stuff. Yeah. So I think that's the most effective. I, I used to hear about a lot of tournaments through just like a printed out page. And, and talk, to, talk to the oh, community talk to organi organizi yeah. organizers like uh, DDR Community, um, Bimani Style, SF Evolved, like talk to us. Yeah, we'll shout you out if you have we'll, a tournament. We'll here. retweet you. We'll 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 post about it. So yeah, it's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So go through us. That's the answer. <laughs> uh, so we have another question from Twitter. Um, have you guys ever entered tournaments for any other games, like fighting games or pinball or anything like that? Has that been hmm. an experience for you? I've entered ITG tournaments. Oh, that counts. <laughs> I, I, I would and, say. And and a pump tournament once. Although, yeah, I got completely owned. Um, so yeah, mostly dance game tournaments. Yeah, I would center. Uh, so Champions of the Coast is a tournament series that I sort of tried to model Best of the West after, which was uh, is that eight on the break, and so they also have a ton of our uh, you know Konami's music games, right? So uh, I think it was Champions of the Coast, then Kings of the Coast, then Champions again. They, get, they sort of rebranded, but I went to Kings of the Coast two and three, and I think I entered everything, mm -hmm. all the different tournaments they had. So. Wasn't very good at poppin', but I entered poppin'. I wasn't very good at uh, pump, but I entered pump. Yeah. Um, and I've actually entered a few Technica tournaments because I was pretty serious about Technica uh, in sort of. But in the time that I moved to California and didn't play DDR because I couldn't find working machines. Yeah, they, there weren't any for yeah. a while. Uh, Technica was actually like the the big new thing. So uh, one of my one of, one of the reasons I kind of broke into the music game community in the Bay Area was I went to a Technica tournament and met everyone. And so, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun, too. Yeah, I, I have attended some pinball tournaments in my day. And uh, actually, I think even though it doesn't have anything to do with DDR, it just, uh, like what you were saying about just going to as many tournaments as you can, yeah. helps because uh, all that skill kind of transfers over. The skill of, you know, just tuning out the crowd yeah. and uh, playing right. while you're nervous, stuff like that. Yeah. So, like, if you're into something else, I would say go to as many tournaments for that as possible. It's going to make you yeah. better at DDR tournaments, yeah. too. Um, so Void in the YouTube chat asked, uh, help for getting better at stamina. Stamina. That's so a hard one. That's, that's a hard one, especially for tournaments. So like just play for a long time. Yeah. I think, uh, in, in line with what we were saying earlier about pushing yourself sooner and quicker, um, like it's going to be harder to get better at stamina if you're warming up on 11 footers and you know, by the end of the day, you're, uh, like you can do 18s or something and you're, you know, you close off the day with a 16. Yeah. Um, if you're not really pushing yourself quickly and early in the process, 
then you're not going to build yeah, up as much stamina. Pretty much every guide on how to get good at things, everything that I've ever read on like, you know, how to become an expert at something or like how to stretch yourself in any kind of like athletic uh, experience is like you basically when you're when you're trying to get better, when you're trying to add add when you're trying to up your your limit, you have to stretch yourself. You mm -hmm. have to like go past to the point where you think you can't do it anymore. Yeah. Like so you have to keep playing DDR until you're so tired that you can't play anymore and then you have to keep playing. It's yeah. true. You yeah. have to like when you're when you're thinking that I can't play another song, then you have to keep playing the hardest stuff you can play. Yeah. Yeah, there's and, there's a period of time I'll tell from personal experience in like early 2016 uh, when I started doing that. And so what I was doing was I, I was kind of like working all the way up until I really couldn't play anymore. And then I got a second wind. This is like a real thing that athletes get, yeah. I guess. And once you get to your second wind, I think that's, that's when you, you really start to see improvements. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, started, I basically started playing PSMO like three times in a row for a long time. And uh, yeah, it's yeah, just, like, just what you got to do. Eventually, Whatever yeah. skill level you're at, just constantly push yourself. Yeah, just constantly push yourself. And I, I think to, uh, a, a word of encouragement too is like, it actually does last for a long time. Like, you do start to lose your stamina if you don't play for a while, but uh, a good running start really can last for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's really all about training. Um, it's being rigorous about being things, rigorous I think. About like, it, yeah. a lot, it's very easy. I think the, the biggest thing that's like catapulted me into being good at dance games was being very rigorous about things and being very focused. When I went to the arcade, I had goals. Yeah. And... Mm -hmm. I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to play a, a bunch of my favorite songs right mm -hmm. at the beginning. No, I'm here to work. Yeah. So whether or not that's fun for everyone, that's kind of a different uh, <laughs> different episode. But What is what, fun, anyway? <laughs> what, what was fun for me was seeing improvement in numbers yeah. and seeing my scores go up and being able to push the limits of what I could do. So I was like dead set on that every time I went to the arcade. So even though I didn't play for like, you know, a ton of time where I didn't go every day, yeah. I was very focused when I did go. So it's easy to get into traps where you're like, oh, I love Struggle, I'm just going to play Struggle again. Mm -hmm. But if you've already PFC'd it, move on. Like, play another 13 yeah. that's harder. Play a 14 that's harder. Play an 18. Do you, it. You like, can ease your way into it, too. You don't on. have to jump right in. Um, yeah. So Zanzibar on Twitter is asking about bad tournament experiences, like hmm. broken pads or, like, a bad monitor. Uh, I know you did tell me something. Was it Digital Life about the uh, Supernova, brand new Supernova? Oh, game? yeah, yeah, the brand new Supernova. That uh, I was playing PSMO. Someone picked it on me. And uh, my speaker blew out halfway through the song. <laughs> like, very just poor, poor cabinet production for many reasons. Um, we all sort of tried to tell the organizers that you need to break in cabinets a little bit, and they didn't <laughs> listen to us. It also didn't help it was on stage. Um, so that was kind of... I wouldn't say that it was necessarily a bad experience, but it was certainly uh, not ideal. I think... I, I haven't had any truly bad experiences, like, besides losing when I thought I should have won or something like that. But yeah. I have seen a bunch of, like, heated arguments with tournament organizers over someone gets a pad miss yeah, and, I like, think the, the rules 30 minutes you, yeah. you decide on what to do about yeah, it. Yeah, you really, really got to keep the rules firm. But even then, I mean, it's hard to arbit yeah. be the arbiter, right? Like, you have to sometimes say to someone, like, okay, this person said they got a pad miss. They usually don't get one, so... We're going to have to redo it. And then you're like, I have to play this again. I just did my best on it. And you're asking me to do that again. Yeah. And I already should have won. You know, so like tensions get high and sort of it, it can be anywhere from kind of awkward to watch to like really disheartening because someone who's really obviously passionate about this thing gets really upset. Yeah, I, I think I can't really recall that many like bad experiences. I think the the 
the organization of tournaments sometimes can can be the the bad experience where like maybe it just goes on way too long. Yeah. Like I've yeah. been at tournaments until like three in the morning before. Yeah. Like, and it's like, yeah, I love DDR, but sometimes being at the arcade from ten a.m. to three a.m. <laughs> is like you just you just kind of want to get out of there. And <laughs> totally. so it's like it's really mostly about trying to make sure that it's run smoothly. I mean, you can't expect it to go perfectly, but I think th those are my only bad experiences. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, so we have one more question, and then I think we're going to start wrapping up. Uh, we we kind of briefly talked about site read tournaments, but I was wondering if somebody's asking in the chat if, if you could go into a little bit more detail about what a site read tournament is. Sure. Let me. I'll try to. I'll try to clarify again. So basically, let's say. So I'm actually holding a site read tournament soon. Uh, so this is for on, in, on an in the groove machine or a Stepmania based machine. So I'm basically hiding a bunch of songs and their associated steps from everyone, all my friends. I really want to share all this great music that I've found, but can't. <laughs> Um, so no one has, uh, I can't guarantee that no one's heard the songs, but certainly no one's seen the steps before. And uh, I'm sort of organizing them into rounds, and what's going to happen is when you enter my tournament, uh, you'll have to play like three songs, and you've never seen them before, that's why it's a sight read tournament. Anything you haven't seen for the first time is a sight read, as we call it. So uh, basically it tests, it's very close to testing a bunch of stuff that normal tournaments would test, but you have to test things like reading on the fly and an unfamiliar pattern that you might not be used to. You know, yeah. if you rely on memorization to know, oh, I need this is this crossover I can cheat, but this crossover in this other song I can't. Yeah. You know, uh, when you're like reading for the first time one of my files, you don't know that up front, so you have to really adapt on the fly. Or if there's a slowdown that you might not, you don't know the song, so you don't know what's about to slow down. Uh, you know, being able to immediately like have the reaction time of like mm -hmm. stepping on an arrow. Oh my god, it's slow! I need to adjust the BPM that I'm playing the song at internally. Yeah. So I think a good way to get good at sight read tournaments too is is obviously sight read more stuff. So yeah. like play songs that you don't normally play a lot. Uh, play more ITG, I guess is a good yeah. is a good way. There's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. So download some packs that you've heard are good and uh, you want to try. Yeah, but sight reading is just so much fun because. It's, uh, everyone's kind of on a level playing field. It really tests your skill uh, at the game and your reading ability and less about like, oh, I've played this song a hundred times and so I'm really good at it. Yeah. It's, uh, if anyone plays Magic or other sorts of card games, there's like the whole sealed thing where like everyone yeah. takes, everyone gets like six packs or something and you make a deck with that. And I like those a lot more than the ones where people have spent $800 on a deck mm -hmm. and they crush me with it because there's all these synergies and stuff like being able to adapt on the fly and be like, oh, these like these cards work well together, but no, no one has like super crazy rares because it's just what you open in a pack. Statistically, yeah. you're not going to have the good cards. So really, it's just about like testing your skill on something that you've never seen before. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think they're really fun too because it kind of removes an element of tournaments that people are normally testing like uh, game knowledge. Yeah, and yeah I think exactly. With, yeah. With, with tournaments with different formats like site read tournaments, you get people who make it further into the tournament than would yeah. otherwise. Exactly. So you get people, different people winning. You get, you get a, lot, a lot of interesting matches you wouldn't get otherwise. Yeah, that was my experience actually at the last Bubble Tea Invitational. It was a very similar experience. Uh, Alright, so I think that's all that we have for tonight. Uh, are there any other upcoming events that we want to mention? Not I think we've I, covered uh, Champions of the Coast. Champions of the Co um, Coast is coming and up. And look out for some Bay Area tournaments and uh, some SoCal tournaments soon. I yeah, think. yeah I think, and, and we yeah. really do want to hear from you guys in the Midwest or Texas or anything like that. 
Yeah. Um, Please hold tournaments. Yeah, hold some tournaments. Tell us about them. Yeah, because we we're I'm sure everyone's sick of hearing about the West Coast and the East Coast. It's it's like there's a whole bunch of dance gamers kind of all over the the country and the world too. Actually, if you're in Europe or something, uh, tell us about some tournaments happening there because we yeah. actually don't know a whole lot about the Europe scene. So yeah, yeah. let us know. Um, so that's all that we have for tonight. So I just want to say thanks for watching and thank, thank you, you for, for playing. playing.